Hi there, welcome to Series 2 of the Release the Sound podcast, where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Roma Waterman, and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage, and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests, and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Release the Sound podcast. I am very excited about today because I have an amazing worship leader over the land, over the seas, who's with us today, an amazing songwriter. You will have no doubt heard of this beautiful woman of God. Her name is Catherine Mullins. And I first met Catherine uh, many, many years ago in the in a chocolate shop in Melbourne, Australia, in between meetings with Ben and Jody Hughes. And uh, I still remember you singing, Catherine, the hero song. Jesus is coming to my rescue. And we sang that nonstop even after you left. But all I remember about that that time was your passion for Jesus, how much you loved him, even back then years ago. And that's never wavered, which is why I wanted you on the podcast today, because you have served Jesus faithfully with your gift in the highs and the lows of life. But let me just read the formal bio so people know who you are. Catherine Mullins lives to see lives transformed through encounter and discipleship. She's been involved with the ramp and many other significant moves of God using her gift and helps usher people into the Lord's presence. She's Georgia born and raised. That's why I love your accent so much because we don't have that kind of accent in Australia. And I love Catherine's heart for the church and for her worship. And um, since the fall of 2008, Catherine's been traveling extensively, releasing a passion for worship discipleship and a desire to see lives transformed through the power of Jesus. Uh, She's been a worship director. She's an amazing songwriter. She's an amazing teacher, preacher, worshiper. And personally, I just love your heart to facilitate encounters with the Lord, but discipleship as well. I love that that's part of your mandate because I don't see a lot of worshippers doing that, worship leaders doing that. And so that's why it's an honor to have you today. Everybody do a little clap in your car or wherever you're listening. Welcome, Catherine Mullins. Hello, Roma. I am just one so excited and honored to be able to have a conversation with you again. Um, uh, it's been a while. And um, and I said this earlier, but I need to say it again. You have been such a pioneer in the prophetic worship movement. And I'm just so thankful that you have towed the line and continue the fight. And you really have pioneered so many things for us, you know, in my generation. And um, I'm just so grateful for that. It's my privilege. And did, and as I said before, ditto. And you went, what does ditto mean? You mean <laughs> say back. <laughs> us Aussies have our lovely little terms. Catherine, I'd love to start for people that don't know. I'm, I would be amazed if people didn't know your background, but tell us a little bit about how you got started in worship. Yeah, so I am a pastor's kid. So I grew up just because there was a need. And so I was singing all the time and I was probably doing background vocals. Actually, my friend and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. We did background vocals together, probably at age 12 or 13. We shared a microphone. You know, we probably weren't even in the house. We were just probably in the wedges at the time because we didn't have in-ear monitors at the time. And um, I just always loved worship. But I really didn't have a plan to go into full-time ministry. So I was going to get a college degree for business. And I had the thought of maybe being part-time at my dad's church, but I didn't, 
I'd seen a lot of what my dad had gone through in ministry and I didn't necessarily want to be full time in that. I kind of had the thought of, okay, Jesus, you know, I love to lead worship, but I don't think it's very practical, (laughs) you know, and if you want me to do that, I'm great with you, you figuring out a way. But I just didn't really have these high hopes that that would happen, which is maybe, you know, terrible, but that was the reality, you know. And I would get all of these prophetic words of, you know, you're going to go to nations and you're, you know, you're going to be in full-time ministry. And I remember even having a conversation with one of my worship leader friends and, you know, they're a little bit older than me and he and his wife were saying, you know, I think I was 20 years old at the time. And he said, Catherine, we really feel like you're called into full-time ministry or going to be called into full-time ministry. And I said, that's great, but I just, I just don't know yeah, if he does it. That's great, but I'm, I'm going to get a degree and, you know, and just kind of do the responsible thing, quote unquote. But then the Lord had other plans in that sense. And I was at an event that was on God TV and it really just opened the door for me to do full-time ministry immediately after that. Yes. And um, I'm just so grateful that the Lord, even though we sometimes have questions about our calling and our purpose, that he's so gracious to walk us through that process and get us where he wants us to be. That's amazing, isn't it? And I... I think that's why I love what you do. You've I've seen you stay the same since I met you all those years ago. Your passion has not wavered. And even that's even more special considering you grew up in ministry. I mean, I've got kids that have like traveled the world with me and they say sometimes, what is the deal? I don't know if I want to do this when I grow up, but also they love it at the same time. So it's amazing that you've been faithful to the call and and I'm so glad that you did because I actually just feel like you're at the beginning, to be honest. I I love everything you've done, but every now and then I'll watch something that you're doing and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like the anointing's just gone up a thousand percent in what the Lord's calling you to. And one of the things I love about what you do, I see it everywhere where when I read things about you, is your passion for discipleship. And so I'd love to talk to you about that. Like what does discipleship look like for you in it's a worship? a great question. I, a really great question. And I think it's multifaceted. You know, I think we have to be really intentional about staying connected to people that, that can pour into us and also just speak truth into us. This is where I get really passionate about the local church. Yeah. God knew what he was doing when he put us in a body. Mm-hmm. And the local church wasn't God's plan D or E or, you know, he, it was his plan all along when Jesus came to earth that he was going to create a bride and we were all going to learn to do life together and we were going to be one body with many parts and we were going to have to figure out how to get along together. You know, yeah. let's take these people who are from different backgrounds, different upbringings, and the only thing that they really have in common is Jesus. Mm, and then wow. we have to figure out how to do life together with these people. And what. And it's such a beautiful thing. The reality is that discipleship. And when we stay connected with the local church, it's that reality of iron sharpening iron. And um, the reason I say that is kind of where discipleship starts, I believe, is in the local church is because we have this mentality sometimes. I, I think it's just the culture that we've grown up in where we if we don't get along with something or we don't agree with someone, we just we just move on, you know. And God said, no, you're going to have to learn to work out your differences together. And in working out your differences, you're going to find what truth is. And you're going to find areas that you need to die in. You're going to find areas that you need to grow in. And in that ironing, sharpening iron moments, and maybe even a little bit of controversy. I didn't like what that leader told me to to do. I didn't like what that leader said to me. And, and, you know, and even because that comes down to self-expression, when you're in a body 
of believers. They're going to kind of hit you from all different angles. But I think it's so important because um, that iron sharpening iron is going to is going to really mature us in our character so that we can handle what God's calling us to handle. So anyways, I could go on and on about discipleship, but the local church and then really connecting with with people who can speak into your life concerning worship. But the thing is, if you if you want them to speak into your life, you have to be willing to listen and actually wow. hear them. And I think sometimes, you know, people say, well, I want to be mentored and I want it. I want them, you know, to really tell me what I need to do and et cetera. But then they get offended. And we've got to get to a point where we're unoffendable again. And we're really listening because we're asking for someone's opinion and asking for their time and asking for their virtue, you know, to pour into us. And we've got to really be listening with humility, humble hearts and saying, okay, I'm here to learn and I'm here to grow. And love that the Christian way is I'm actually here to die. Mike Bickle said this recently, and it I, it's kind of been our mantra for the year. And I, I know I'm sure Australia deals with this. This is a global thing, but I know Americans deal with it in a huge way. Is self-expression on the platform, which I, I believe in to a huge degree, but I think we've kind of elevated it to a way yes. um, that it's become idolatry. Yeah. And we could hear a whole wrong thing about that. But I love what Mike Bickle says. He says in, in Christianity... Jesus didn't say express yourself. He said, deny yourself. Wow. And it's just been hitting me. We could just go on and on. As a worship leader, what are we called to? We're called to deny ourselves. You know, I feel like you've just killed a lot of sacred cows right there when you think of worship as a Christian music industry, which I hate that term, right? But it's all about like, you know, you see all these people that are kind of doing their own thing, not connected to church in any way. There's not a lot of feedback and mentoring. It's become an industry. And what you've just done then is go, actually, you need to deny yourself and you need to be part of your local body where people can speak into your life. And I actually think that um, if we want to see revival worship, worship that transforms our communities, those two things are so vital to us seeing that is is that we just, because I think sometimes talent can get in the way. When people are really talented, often people can be intimidated by that. Or people that are really talented can go, well, I don't need your advice, you know. Like I'm just speaking from my experience of being a part of the industry side of worship, which I absolutely hate that word, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm sure you do. And I just think what you have just said has just nailed it in the bud. It's like, hey, we're accountable to one another and actually God's calling us to die, not to live. And that's hard. Does that mean for you? that sometimes you've had to say no to things you really wanted to say yes to and yes to things you've wanted to say no to? Oh, absolutely. And I think you said the key word there, which is accountability. And I think when we come to know the nature of Jesus, we come to understand that it's not just rules and regulations, but he has a standard. And that standard is there to protect us, to uh, launch us into the true fulfillment of the desires of our hearts when we're aligned with him. And it is to kill the things that are going to hurt us in our lives. My husband and I have this stance of if we don't have peace, it's a no. Yeah, well, and it's not even saying, we don't say, you know, no to just hard things. That's not it. We're okay doing uncomfortable, hard things because peace and comfort are totally different Mm -hmm. sometimes. But we definitely have had moments that just even in the music, industry that we've been asked to do things and to ask honestly to do a lot of bigger things that we've just said no to and I think at the end of the day we've been so thankful that we've had peace 
and we're okay. Jesus get, getting a well done from Jesus. And, you know, maybe the world is like, what are you doing? Yeah, that would have been a better move business wise, et cetera. But heaven is smiling and that's what we're here for. Yeah, that's great, Catherine. I love that. Are you currently on a worship team in a church or do you mainly do itinerant stuff? I'm curious about that. Great question. So we are just plugged in. My dad is a local pastor. And um, which I can tell you this, this is exciting news. And so Australia will hear probably before the the announcement in the States that in a couple of years, my dad's retiring and my husband is going to be leading the church. So you're going to be just pastoring a local church and I am burning with excitement for it. I am bursting with vision. Um, I'm so excited to see what God's going to do, you know, in in the church body in our local community. But all that is saying, um, my husband is the uh, over the worship department and we co-labor with that together. Yes. At the same time, we still travel a lot. So yeah. it's it's interesting. We try to get back for Sundays uh, just with the transition going on. But I love being able to be, a, again, a part of a local body, investing in that, growing relationships. And then it's really great also to be able to see what God's doing over our team. I asked that question because I think we boxed what being in worship ministry looks like, you know, like we, I often say to people, if you think of ministry like a funnel and everyone that goes, well, I sing, so I must be part of the worship team and it's got to look like this, somewhere there's going to be, everyone's going to get squished. But there's so many different expressions of what it means to be in worship and to be in worship ministry, and you're doing it a little differently than other people. So I, like a lot of people are like, I'm only in my local church or I'm only doing itinerant, but I love the marriage of what you're doing and that you're making it work because the Lord's put something unique on you. And I'd love to see people actually discovering that for themselves that are listening to this, going, well, what does it look like for me? It doesn't have to look like what I've seen. And that's what a pioneer is, really. We really want to be pioneering worshippers instead of going, well, this is how it looks and I'll just follow the five steps. We're actually going, Father, what does it look like for me? And so I'm so excited to hear that, that you're going, well, okay, well, we do this itinerant thing, but we're actually pastoring a local church. I absolutely love that. And, you know, uh, one of my friends who you'll know, Darlene Check, it's the same thing, you know, like she's, she's this amazing songwriter. She's this amazing worshipper. God calls them to go to the Central Coast, which is three hours out of the major city, to pass to the local church. And, you know, I've been there when she's before the service cleaning the toilets so that people will be ready so she can host people. And she said to me that day when she was doing she said, I just do what's got to be done. I don't care if it's on the platform or not. And so it looks different when we die and we say, Lord, what is it for me? What is what fits me? What's this? What what does worship look like for me? So I love that. That's such an exciting season for you guys. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we we're so excited to see what God's going to do. And I just I love what you said of just you know people asking the Lord, what is it that we're called to? And you know this probably more than than most people, but the Holy Spirit, he's the author of creativity and he's so creative with our purpose and our destiny. And and that's what I just love about him, that he really does call every generation to dream with him. And that individual calling is going to look different per person. And we get to dream with God and see what that's going to look like. Beautiful. Each of us. Yeah. And yeah, and I I think that's the the beauty of 
of partnering creativity with the author of creativity, the Holy Spirit, is that he already had a plan set out and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be very fulfilling to each of our lives. But we get to press in and wrestle with that dream because, you know, he can give us this one picture and that might be one step of the picture or one part of the picture, but we want the full picture of God for our lives. And that takes from wrestling and and trying things and following the voice of the Holy Spirit, but he's painting a picture with each person's life. And I just love the creativity of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing right now with this generation, that it does look different with each person. I love that. I love that you tapped onto the, into the creativity aspect because it means we'll go places that maybe the generation before hasn't gone or do things different, you know? And so I love that you're sharing that. This is a question that's bobbing in the back of my mind. Have you got any moments in time where you were leading worship for an event or a church service where God just did something amazing and you'll go, I'll never forget that. That's marked me. And if you do, would you mind sharing? Because I think that's inspiring people. Yeah, I feel like there definitely have been you know different moments in my life. One of my favorite moments was a moment at the ramp. It was the first time I ever went there. And it was kind of like my connection moment with Miss Karen and what God wanted to do, just kind of connecting us spiritually and and with the the partnership of the ramp and the call of the ramp. But there was this girl um, on stage and she was just having this encounter with the Lord. And the room was just kind of staring at her. I mean, she was kind of shaking a little bit, which is kind of, you know, crazy. And it, it looked odd. I mean, it just, it just does, you know? And I remember thinking, I want the crowd to understand that this is God and he's doing something on the inside of her and whatever he wants to do, that's what we're here for, you know? Come on. And the Lord gave me this phrase, um, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. And I can't explain, I mean, it wasn't necessarily me singing or anything like that, but the presence of the Lord that filled the room at that moment was just for me, life-changing and this reality that that Jesus wants to come however he wants to come. And we've got to be ready for that and open right. for that. And he wants to teach a generation what it looks like to encounter him again. And so for me, that. that was one of my favorite moments. I could I could probably think of some others, um, yeah. but that's the one that initially came to my mind. Oh, that's beautiful. And actually my next question is around songwriting. And I just love that you sang something out in a moment, a spontaneous moment that crafted a song that people can sing to. And I'd love to talk to you around that. What's your songwriting process? Is it more spontaneous, prophetic, and then you kind of take it and turn it into a song or are you more of a, no, I just sit down and I craft it from the beginning? Like, how do you write? It's a great question. I think I'm a mixture of that. I think my favorite is taking either a spontaneous moment and crafting that. And actually, um, there's a song I wrote a long time ago and it came out of partially a moment, I believe, in Australia. It's a song called All My Worship. Yes. And I just kept singing one of those phrases over and over again when we were there. And anyways, the Lord, after a lot of different moments in worship, just kind of pieced the song all together back in the States. Beautiful. Um, but I love taking a moment that God's breathing on. And I think this is something that's so important right now. And in the worship movement is there are songs that become weapons that literally 
break yokes, break principalities, break stronghold. And it's God's plan for us to wield those as weapons in our services. And so there's a big difference between just us singing some lyrics and then lyrics that come from God's heart and his plan for what he's doing on the earth right now. And so so I think those prophetic moments or the spontaneous moments that God's breathing on, it's so important for us to take those and craft those and craft them into weapons. I love that. I love that because I'm I'm remembering a conversation I had with Dan McCullum. I don't know if you know Dan, who's a very dear friend of ours. So I'm always quoting him because everything he says is like a bomb of gold when he speaks. But it. I remember we were running a, a workshop. This is many years ago where we were talking about how you should, should take those spontaneous moments and use them to turn them into songs. And someone put their hand up in that that workshop and said, I don't understand why I would need to work on it. If God just gave it to me, that's the way it should be. You know, I shouldn't touch it. And I said to Dan, and I didn't know what to say to this person back then. Like, you know, what do you say? And he said, well, it's the parable of the five talents. You know, God gives you a song. You can bury it in the ground and go, well, that's the way it is. This is what it was given to me. Or you can do something with it so it multiplies. That's what refining the spontaneous song is. And I was like, that's amazing. It's like you start with something. You're starting with the gold. But then if you want to see it multiply, sitting down and crafting it is so powerful. And really, that's with any kind of revelation. It doesn't have to be a spontaneous moment in a service. It can just be you're sitting at home and the Lord puts something on your heart really strongly to sing about or write about, you go to your keyboard or your guitar, and then you're like, okay, well, what do I do with this that's in my heart right now? How do I make it bigger? It's the same for a preacher. Hey, it's like you get something yeah. in your heart. Are you going to follow it or are you going to go with the message that you preached a hundred times because everybody loved it? You know, like I'm like, what's the thing that God is holding right now? I'm even having an image as we're talking like of Jesus holding a baby and he's saying to me, that baby is a song. Yes. Will you grow it? Yes. Will you grow this baby? So I love that that's what you've done. And I, I mean, I just love listening to your songs. I love them. I was thinking about your, you're talking about songs being a weapon. And I love that sing, sing like the battle's over. Is that what it's called? That's a great song. You're so kind. I'm trying to think with how I wrote that. I pictured um, Joshua in the battle of Jericho and just that whole story is mind blowing to me that Israel marches around this massive fortress, you know, over and over again. And, and finally they're told to just lift up their voices. And can you imagine when they lift up their voices and that first stone begins to move, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've just been by wow. faith, following the word of the Lord, walking around in silence and they have no idea how the Lord is going to defeat, to defeat their enemies, but they have a word. So they're moving on the word and they just lift up their voices, which is such a praise thing to do and such a worship thing to do. And that first stone begins to move. People would have lost their minds. You know, I, if I had been marching around at that time, I would have thought, okay, God is real. If I had any other questions, it's been finished. You know, I fully believe. And so anyways, from from that point, as I thought, the wall came down 2000 years ago at the cross. Yeah. So there might be things that we're believing for, but the stone has already moved. Wow. You know? Come so, on. so even if I'm believing, you know, for something to change in my life, I'm going to sing like the battle's already over. I'm going to dance like the war is won. So I'm just picturing 
almost every time I sing that song, just the walls falling. I love what you said, though, too. Um, you, you talked about just kind of wrestling with finishing a song. And I think this is really, really important because I've talked to a lot of songwriters and I've been there as well where I've had this opinion that it can be really hard to, let's say, take your song and get input from other writers yeah. to get critiques or anything like that. It can be painful. It's like someone exactly like you said is critiquing your child. <laughs> yes. You know, it's critiquing the most vulnerable, vulnerable part of who you are. And if we're not careful, we can exactly what you said, bury that song and bury the talents. And I think, again, God calls us to work together with people. Yes. And so if there's a very good chance that somebody else might have the rest of your song or might have a, a critique that really finishes it and smooths it out. And we've got to really be open to listening to that. Yeah. And I, I think there's a fine balance. We need to be careful who we listen to, you yeah. know, so they don't just change the song that God gave you and they need to be able to have a spiritual side to that and they, and they need to have a good head on their shoulders with that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I've I've met singers who their songs have gone nowhere because they made the decision that they didn't want to change yes. anything. And it was a great prophetic moment that God could have used that they decided to do exactly what you wow. said. They their, their talent in the sand. And I just thought, man, that song could have gone around the world. Wow. That you've got to have discernment with that. And, and this is what I think with songwriting. It's like Jesus breathes on it in that moment. And that's part of his heart and character and nature and how he moves. But he's also a God of, of discipline in the sense of a finishing project, yes. you know, the self-discipline side of things. And so I always say self-discipline finishes a project. <laughs> and that comes yes. from the heart of God as well, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're bringing this up because I've got so many thoughts coming through my mind. One is songwriting has its own component of discipleship when you let it go. You're trusting people to speak into it. So a lot of people aren't doing that because that it's actually an issue of trust. It's like, yeah. I don't trust that this person is going to carry my heart or they've been hurt before or they've been disappointed before. And so it comes back to that whole thing of we're doing community with one another. And of course, you've got to trust the right people. It, I mean, I, I'm sure just like you, I've had songwriting experiences where I've gone, this is not working. And part of it's because those people weren't on the same page as me. But a lot of yeah. times it's been my issue of trust. It's like, I have to learn have to trust, I have to trust these people. I think when you are friends with the people you're writing with, they're the best songs yes. because you're doing life with one another and mm. something is birthed out of that. But learning to trust those people is so important, isn't it? Just learning to trust that God will come in, he'll weave a tapestry amongst one another to let yes. that song even have more life, you know. I'm fumbling yeah. over my words, but. No, I love it. I feel like I've been stumbling over my words this whole conversation. So I think it is wonderful. And I think, again, what you said is when you're in relationship with people, you know their hearts. And so you can trust their hearts. And so I definitely have my group of people that they're the ones who, if I need a song finished, I'm sending it to these couple of people and saying, are you yeah. hearing anything? And right. I trust their relationship with Jesus as well. Mm -hmm. I also trust that we can be honest with each other. You know, and I think that's a big part of songwriting is... Being able to say, you know, I, I want to keep this or or maybe we should yes. change this. You know, this, you, this was really good. I wonder if we need to work through this line right here just to make sure it's, you know, it's fully yes. the big picture. It's, it's, it's a scary place to be. I, 
I'm having a flashback of the very first time I handed about 12 of my songs. I was maybe 19 and I handed it to someone I really respected and they came back to me saying, none of this is good. And I can't even, I I cried. I was like, I'm never going to write a song again. I'm terrible at what I do. And my husband was like, hang on a minute, because he's so pragmatic, right? He's like, calm down. It's Firstly, it's one person's opinion. Secondly, you are actually good at what you do, but you do need to grow. You need to work. But it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me was having that feedback because I went, oh, hang on a minute. I really need to work a bit harder at my craft. You know, like the anointing is awesome. But even King David, he wasn't just looking for anointed musicians in the tabernacle. He was looking for the skilled ones. You know, it says the most skilled musicians, the most skilled artisans. So I'm like, you can't just go, well, I've got the anointing. It's like, actually, when you have the anointing, I mean, we need the anointing more than anything. Let's just put that right there. But that doesn't mean you go, oh, that means I don't need any skill. Yes. It's like it's together. It's not either. Anyway, I'm preaching to myself, right? Well, no, you're preaching to me. I'm like, amen. I love it. Like even in the Tabernacle of David, that was, you you nailed it. The two things that they had to be skilled at was they had to be skilled at hearing the voice of God, which is that prophetic side. And then they had to be skilled at their instrument. And I think right now in the local church, we have this thing happening where it's kind of either or instead of both hands. Yes. And so we have really extremely prophetic people with really great hearts, but they've not pressed into their craft, yeah. you know, and then you've got the other people who are so excellent, but they they don't really, they're not pressing into the Holy Spirit yes. at all. And that's where I feel like God is bringing us back to the middle. And it's exactly that tabernacle of David moment where we're, yeah. we're skilled at our instrument. Yes, but we're skilled at, at hearing the voice of God. And yes. I love that. I, I I could go on and on about it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let me change tacks. I want to ask you a prickly question. And I'm asking you this because there's not many people that last in worship. And you have. You've stood the test of time, all right? You've still got many, many years to go. But one thing I've loved about you is you've just kept going. You just kept going and you're faithful to the call. And I want to know, this is a weird question because I know you're not you're not old, right? But you've been around for a long time. Aging in worship. Do you do you get where I'm going with this? I think so. No. What the hell are you saying, Roma? Okay, so what I mean is this. You know, when you start out and there's an anointing on your life and it's fresh and it's new, it's like you're the in thing. It's like, wow, this person's awesome. Their worship is amazing. We see this with artists that are coming out with the most amazing songs right now, bands that are incredible that I listen to and love. But 10 years from now, when you're still doing it, what does it look like? You have a whole bunch of different dynamics there, don't you? Like there's something we've done in the church that elevates shiny and new. Yep, it's true. And I'm sharing this because I feel like there's people listening who go, I'm no longer shiny and new. Do I have something to offer? Do you want to share any of your thoughts around that? I know that's a big question. That is a big question. You're probably the first person that's ever asked me that. And so I love that you've asked me that question because that is a very big question. Um, I think the biggest thing is we've got to be grounded in God's opinion about us and his plan for us. And I love Paul the Apostle because he says, Paul the Apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. 
He opens all, basically all of his letters with that. He knows what he's called to. And so there has to come a time, regardless of how old we are, how young we are, that we know that God is the one who called us. And so if God is the one who calls us, God is the one who keeps us. And and so I think for me, and this really goes down to comparison as well and competition in the church. If I'm always looking around and saying, well, they're better at this than I am and they're better at that, then that's going to be, that's going to create insecurity in me. Yeah. You know, really an anxiety that I don't need. But if I'm looking at him and I'm asking him the question, are you pleased with what I'm doing in this season of life? And is this your plan for me? And the other thing with that is God is a God of seasons. So I know that there's probably going to be a time when I transition out of worship. I don't know how long that is. I don't know what that looks like. And, you know, I might be doing this and it might be God's plan for years to come. But being okay with my identity, being grounded again, in Jesus, that he has a good plan for my life. Yes. And he's the one who called me. He's going to be the one to keep me. And yes, I think even Miss Karen and I talked about this, maybe not the seat. Well, we did talk about the seasonal thing too, because she used to be a a worship leader. Wow. Yes. Karen Wheaton. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So pre her doing the ramp, she sang for Benny Hinn. Oh my goodness. Wow. And so that's really how she got her start in ministry. And I asked her one time because she can sing the roof off the place. I mean, wow. anointed all the things. She is more like a Southern gospel vibe type thing. She hears this, she might roll her eyes like, I'm not Southern gospel. I think she is. Um, <laughs> but she can literally, I mean, she sings so good and it's anointed. She'll have 15 year olds, you know, when she's singing a Southern gospel song on their hands, you know, on yeah, their feet, worship which is amazing. But I asked her one time, I said, you know, you love to sing and lead worship. Why don't you lead worship at the ramp much? And for her, she just said, you know, you've got to recognize seasons. And she said, I had to realize the season had changed. And it's not that I don't love singing anymore. It's that I'm called to some other things in this season. Yeah. And the thing that's so beautiful with that of holding our gift up to Jesus, he can direct it however he wants us to. So good. But then we're also not going to get stuck in seasons that we weren't meant to be in. So, so we can, you know, and so it's not, and she even said, it's not that I don't love singing. She said, I love singing just as much as I used to. She said, but what am I called to do right now in this season? I'm called to lead a generation, you know? And so I, anyways, I kind of got off track a little bit uh, with it. But my whole thing is, is I've just got to be confident that Jesus loves me and he's for me. And he's going to keep me in the season that I need to be in for as long as that is. And I love that there's something about the art of reinvention in that. Mm-hmm. It's like God doesn't call you and then you do the same thing right through your life. And if you stop, like if people are in different seasons of worship leading, like I know for me, you know, there was a season where I was leading 90% of the week and I'm preaching more now, t- training yeah. more now. I still lead worship, but I recognize that the discipleship component, the Lord was going, this is important, but it's actually brought new life to me. I don't feel like I've lost something. I feel yes. like I've something got bigger, you know. I don't know how yes. to explain it. But I think we can get stuck in this, I've, this is my call. I've got to stay here. I've got to keep doing this. And we've not realized that part of God's mandate on our lives is reinvention. It's mm-hmm. layer upon layer upon layer. And it's not like you're laying something down that you're adding. And I love that you mm. You're saying you've got to recognize the seasons, but really the bottom line is it's relationship and identity with the Father. Like we have to yes. actually know who we are aside from our gifts. You know, 
when I started to lead less and started to teach more, at first I had a real grief period because yeah. I still I still write songs as much as I ever did. I still I've got a yeah. keyboard just to the the right of me here. I write pretty much every day. I'm singing at my keyboard, right? And there was a real grief in that season. And somebody said to me during that time, Roma, you have had so many people relate to you through your gift that you don't even know how to relate to people without your gift. And God is bringing you into a season. Yeah. I went, oh, oh my goodness. Because I realized, you know, I would go places and people were like, sing a prophetic song, do this, do that. And then I started to kind of go into that cave, you know, we all have those cave seasons. And I'm like, I don't, I, who are my people, you know, kind of went like that. And this very wise voice just said, you need to know who you are aside from your talent. And it ended up being one of the best seasons because it solidified, like my intimacy with the Lord just went to a whole other level to the point now where I don't, I'm just like, you know what, if someone asks me to do something, my first thing is actually, was that, is that really what the Lord wants me to do? It looks awesome. It's great, but is it really what God wants me to do? And so being grounded in that is inspiring. So thank you, Catherine, for sharing that because I think people need to recognize the transitions. It is. It's so key. And even what you mentioned, you know, this is a good thing, but is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I literally had a conversation. We talked about Adam Carpenter like two weeks ago with Adam. And and I just said, I'm not really interested. This might be a good opportunity, but is it my opportunity? Is it the one that God has for me? And I just, there's peace, exactly what you said of having your identity, being a daughter of God, having your identity found in him. And he's pleased with us and he's happy. And so regardless of what I'm doing, we'd have that connection with with Jesus. But it's yes. it's so freeing to find your lane and be okay with that, yes. you know? And I remember this is another conversation that kind of goes with that. But Miss Karen and I, again, had a, another conversation I was really dealing with intimi- being intimidated on the platform. I'd actually, full disclosure, had a really big mess up on the platform. Yeah, it's great. I love you. Yeah, it's for your vulnerability. It was a huge mess up broadcasted on God TV, you know, just having to be forced. So it was massive. And I just really struggled for the next few months when I came back to the rant for their conferences with feeling intimidated. So I guess it had gotten bad enough that Miss Karen pulls me aside. She drives me to, she's got a, a thing called the mill house on her property. And she sits down and she just says, Catherine, I, I need you to get to a point. And she just remember this. She said, your power and your authority and your confidence comes from your intimacy with Jesus. Mm. That's it. She said, you know, and, and she said, you know, and she mentioned it with her, but she said, you know, there's, there can be tons of singers that are better than you and that's okay. She said, by the end of the day, she said, I need you to get on that platform and I need you to lead with the authority of Jesus that comes from your secret place and knowing what God has said about you. And it changed everything for me because yeah, there are so many people that are better singers than me and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm okay with that. Yeah, we're okay with that. But at the end of the day, we have a relationship with Jesus and we're pulling on his anointing anointing and authority. And when we get in that flow, he is backing us up and that's all we need. (laughs) And and again, we just stay there in that season and trust him to turn the pages and turn the chapters. I love it. Oh my goodness, Catherine, you've dropped so much gold in this podcast. You've We've talked about discipleship. We've talked about being connected to your local church, songwriting, messing up. 
(laughs) Growing older and more mature in worship, not just looking for the shiny and the new in our lives, but actually learning to expand skill and anointing. My goodness, we've talked about so much stuff. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. And before we end, I'd love you to pray. I'd love you to pray for anyone that might be struggling with some of those things. But before we do that, where can people connect with your music? My website is katherinemullins.com and then all of my music is on all streaming platforms and I'd love to connect with people on social media, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Yeah, um, everybody go follow Catherine. She is amazing. So full of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for today. It's been just such a joy to reconnect. And um, yes, I'd love you to pray. Yes, I love that. I love it. Jesus, I thank you for each person that is listening or going to listen to this uh, podcast. And I thank you. Uh, If they don't hear anything from this whole podcast, I pray, Lord, that they would hear that they have a call of God on their lives, that they are called and they are chosen and that you have a purpose for them. And that purpose was created before the foundation of the world. And just I, I speak grace over every person that is listening to this podcast to hear the voice of God in this season and to be confident in what God has said about them in this season. And we rebuke every lie of the enemy and every plan of the enemy to keep them back from the destiny of God, from the purpose of God over their life. And we decree over you in Jesus' name that you will fulfill the purpose of God for your life. And and even just what we were talking about, that you will stay in step with Jesus and you will stay in the season that God has for you and that you will hear his voice and trust him to turn the pages in your life at the right time in the right moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome prayer. And thank you, Catherine Mullins. You're amazing. So great. We love you. So good to reconnect. We should do this more often. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.